Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders, sharing thoughts and practical tips for becoming more customer-centric and accelerating revenue growth. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, CEO at Momentum ITSMA, a global B2B growth consultancy and advisory firm. Many large global businesses have to restructure and reinvent their marketing practices to move from focusing on marketing channels to focusing resources and efforts on accounts. This has implications for everything from resource allocation, technology and data through to key performance indicators. Imagine how different this would be if you had the opportunity to build your organization from scratch and it was designed with strategic clients at its core. That's exactly the journey that today's guest, Andrew Fitzgerald, Vice President of Global Account-Based Marketing at Kindrel has been on. And I'm looking forward to diving into what the implications have been for this born first ABM business. Andrew, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Alicia. Delighted to be here. Andrew, I'd love to um, start with a bit about you. I know you spent, what, 15 plus years at one of the oldest technology companies in the world, and and now you're at uh, one of the biggest uh, tech startups. It'd be great just to get some, some sense of your, your career, your expertise, and the journey you've been on to, to this particular role as, as uh, Vice President for Global Account-Based Marketing at Kindrel. Sure, thank you. I, I was actually at IBM for a lot longer than 15 years. Um, and I started at IBM doing a, a, a bunch of things, eventually found my way into a marketing job and probably spent about 20 odd years doing a variety of marketing jobs at IBM. I started as a direct marketer, sending high impact direct mail pieces to, uh, to our customers. And I've done country jobs, European jobs, across lots of disciplines and lots of different customer sets. And then when the opportunity came to join Kindrel, uh, when we were spinning out from IBM two or three years ago now, it's an opportunity I jumped at, particularly because I dabbled a little bit in account-based marketing in IBM. And ABM was clearly something that was going to be much more important for Kindrel and an area I really wanted to explore and help to shape. So that's how I came to be here. And what, what makes you so passionate about ABM, given that you've been in this this particular role for a couple of years now? What still keeps you excited, gets you fired up for the week ahead? That's a really good question. For me, it's something that it's really easy to see direct impact with. Um, I, I see the reaction of the account teams that we work with, the customers that we work with, and the ability to see the difference that you make, I find is it's just so rewarding from that perspective, which isn't to say that other things aren't as well, but this for me is a much something that's much more directly connected to the business and what we need to do as a business. So for me, I've been doing this now for more than two years because I started before Kindrel was actually formed as a company, um, preparing for it and so on. And it's something that continues to be hugely important for us and and a really exciting place to be. Fantastic. Well, it's, it's ne- never cha- never a dull moment, is it, uh, with just customer change and having your finger on the pulse at uh, some of your largest accounts. Andrew, for, for those of us that don't know Kindrel or aren't familiar with the organisation, it'd be great for you just to, to paint a bit of a picture of um, the IBM spin out and who Kindrel are and, and some of the services that you provide. Kindrel is basically a technology services company. We work with 
thousands of organizations around the world, typically large companies or public sector organizations. We run the technology infrastructures for them, either all of them or part of them. Uh, and we talk about running the infrastructures that run the world or at least significant parts of it. And that's because we work across, I think the last count was 63 countries. We've got 85,000 odd people, mostly engineering and technical people. And when you do your banking, when you buy insurance, when you order goods online, when you renew your driving license, uh, the infrastructure that we run enables lots of that. So that's kind of what we do in, in very simple terms anyway. And we spun out from IBM. We used to be a part of IBM, um, the Global Technology Services Organization that we spun out in November, two years ago, pretty much. So we're on a journey to um, operate as an independent business and make our own way in the world. And that's also a hugely interesting and exciting thing to be a part of as well. Yeah, I, I can imagine you're contending with with a a fair few opportunities and and um, challenges a lot along the way. How is it different to to IBM? Just given you know, IBM is well known for lots of innovation, well known for being one of the oldest tech businesses around, and Kindrel, new brand, new entity, very large team in terms of uh, spin out, and and you've got how many key customers? We've got a, something in excess of four thousand customers around the world, and probably. 10 to 20% of them are the ones that really make a difference to us as an organization in our uh, uh, in what we're trying to do as a business and how we're trying to get back to profitable growth as, as an organization. You asked about how we differ from, from IBM and hey, that's something that continues to evolve because from you know, on day one when we spun out from IBM, well, frankly, um, um, uh, many of the things looked very similar. We still operated much of the same processes, many of the same systems. We've been on a journey over the past couple of years to reinvent ourselves, to reinvent the processes that we use, the the systems that we use. Um, our journey of transformation is one that actually is a, a, a is a is a model uh, in many ways for how to. Um, revitalize uh, an infrastructure of an organization. So um, the we will continue to evolve. We will continue to move into new spaces and be able to do new things for our customers. Probably the biggest difference is just one of independence. When we were part of IBM, in many ways, we were tied to the IBM ecosystem, the IBM way of doing things. And inevitably, of course, IBM technology as the solution for most of our customers. Now we don't have that that restriction. Now we're free to, uh, and we do partner with all the hyperscalers, lots and lots of different organizations across the world, building out a whole different portfolio of alliances as is probably one of the most obvious differences that you see. Now our independence allows us to provide a whole range of different services and solutions for our customers. Yeah, more agnostic. And and what impact has it had on the culture? Has, has Kindle felt like you've been in startup mode um, given how it was formed or has it really felt like it was a divestment of, of IBM and, and you were having to go through a transformation over the past couple of years? Yeah, I, and again, that's one of the really interesting things about being in Kindle. We set out to very intentionally think about culture from the outset and create 
a culture that's appropriate for a services business. And we, we talk about the Kindrel way as the foundation of our culture and three real fundamental tenets of that, which is restless, empathetic, and devoted. And by devoted, we mean devoted to our customers and uh, really look to uh, embed that at the heart of what we do and how we operate. And for me, uh, restless is a really interesting one because restless can have some very negative connotations perhaps. And for us, it's about the anticipation, learning, innovating, and that's great for us as an organization and hopefully great for our customers as we're looking to help them achieve what they want to achieve. But putting it in an ABM context as well, that anticipation, learning, innovating is so important for how we operate as an ABM team and always wanting to look ahead to what our customers are going to need, anticipate that for the future. How do we grow the knowledge and skills of our team? How do we position ourselves to better serve the needs of customers? So very, very intentionally set out to create a culture that's about us as a services business and what we need to do for our customers. And it's something that our CEO and our senior leadership team spend an awful lot of time on as well. I love those three values and feel like they could transcend or it's a great way to describe a a high-performing ABM program, restless, empathetic devoted to, to to clients. What what um, impact do those values have? You mentioned being restless and getting ahead of client challenges, getting ahead of client needs. How are you putting the customer at the heart of, of your program? How is it informed those three values? How have they informed your strategy? How do we build and evolve our ABM approach from the outset? A, a few, uh, there's, a, there's kind of a few strings to this, this answer. So firstly, and most importantly, building what we want to do from an ABM perspective in support of our business strategy. And and our business strategy is you know, very fundamentally and simply about getting back to profitable growth for us as an organization. It's no secret when we spun out from IBM, we were a declining business unit and we weren't making uh, a profit. So, so we need to fix that. The way for us to fix that, at least in the short to medium term, is about taking that existing base of accounts and particularly those key accounts that are really the ones that are going to make the difference for us and figuring out how we serve and grow them profitably. In that kind of a context where you're you're in a big, complex services business with relatively few high-value customers, ABM makes absolute sense. And so the grounding our approach in that business strategy, first of all, was, was the most important. But then once you do that, how, how do you embed those qualities? Well, first of all, for us, it's always been about building a data-based understanding of our customers from day one. So really, are you devoted to customers? How do you better serve your customer if you don't understand them well enough? So we really set out to build a deep data-based understanding of our customers. So we built a platform which we call LTV, Lifetime Value, it's not really about lifetime value, but it is about um, where the customer is today, really understanding that. And you can imagine how complex and challenging the infrastructures of some of these organizations can be. I was talking to um, one of our Japanese customers last week who was saying that chunks of their organization are running on an infrastructure that's that's up to 30 years old now. And Things change all the time, you know, patches get put in place, that infrastructure begins to sprawl, 
managing that is a huge complexity, understanding that. And the with most of our customers, we're on a journey of transformation and modernization. So figuring out where you start from and how you begin to drive that is not an insignificant task to, to build out your understanding. So we spend a lot of time investing in data and, and our ability to analyze and understand that and use that to form an understanding of the potential of those customers for the future. And then once we've done that, thinking about how we organize our people and build organizational capability. And for us, that kind of splits out into three things. One is I have a, a relatively small, what started out as a project team and has evolved into a center of excellence for our ABM organization that runs the program and provides some key services out to our teams around the world. Our field marketers around the world who execute on ABM, again, working really closely with account teams to, um, to because that's where the customer knowledge is, using that database understanding with the people who are talking to customers and supporting them every day. And how, how do we marry those two things together, the knowledge in the heads of people working with customers and what we see in the data and use that to help inform where we go? And then the last bit of it for me is is the rest of the marketing organization and how, do that, how does that line up and support what we're trying to do to drive those customers to profitable growth. So long-winded answer, but that whole cultural thought and particularly the devotion and understanding to customers kind of sits at the heart of everything we're trying to do. It sounds like you've been really systematic in thinking about how you structure your team and, and best support some of the field, field teams. How are you thinking about profitable growth? Do you help the regions in terms of resource allocation, where you're investing, how much of that is driven by the business? Because I imagine customers early on in, in their engagement can be unprofitable and the, the longer they're with you, your profit uh, can increase and your profit isn't always equal as, as we know from every every client. How, how do you think about profitable growth? You're absolutely right. In the, the kind of the kind of business we're in, the customer is is almost inevitably not going to be profitable from day one. It's one of the reasons why we do have a focus on acquiring new customers and and a chunk of our organization that's devoted to doing that. From an ABM perspective, we spend 99.5% of our time on existing customers and figure out how to, to, to work with our teams to grow there. Uh, we have a pretty federated business model. And by that, I mean, our country organizations have a large degree of independence within boundaries, obviously. And that's true for our business overall, and therefore it's true for our marketing organization as well. And so the accounts we have in our ABM program are not ones that I choose at, at, the, at the global level. The, they're ones that are chosen by our country chief marketing officers and our country presidents who run the business for us in our major markets. And what we do as an ABM team is try and enable them with the, the tools to be able to make the right choices. So that data-based platform that I mentioned earlier is um, fundamentally what that allows us to do is understand not just where that customer is today. It's a mix of internal and external data. So we know how profitable each account is today. We know what the future potential of that account is. And if I really net it down, there's lots of considerations in picking an ABM account, but if I really net it down, it's about how profitable is this account today? What's the future potential of that customer? 
to grow revenue and profitability. And we do absolutely think about profit probably more importantly than just revenue. No, not probably. Definitely more important than revenue today. So we enable the country teams to, first of all, make the right choices of account, and then we help them to be able to execute against that, whether that is tools to then go deeper for that customer and that account once you've picked it to what we're actually going to do to execute and try to drive the flight plans that are going to help an accounting to grow that customer. I think it's a, a really interesting point as organizations think about their ABM strategies. Quite often you'll, you'll have organizations that say, we want to go after white space or we want to go after greenfield new logos and that's where the growth will come from and you end up with either an over-engineered approach or, or an investment model that isn't going to, to to pay back and that old adage of revenue is vanity and, and profit is is salacy. How does that profitable growth focus affect your um, own measurement and how you're thinking about success of, of a program? Uh, well first of all uh, you're absolutely right but I talk to many peers Lots of other ABM programs are focused on white space and new customers. And I can see us shifting some of our efforts towards that in the, in the future as we evolve as an organization. But uh, in many ways, it is quite a different approach. For us, as we think about the success of the program, overall success for our ABM program, and indeed for our marketing organization as a whole, is pretty simple. It's about growing our priority customers, ABM accounts by, the, by another word, faster than the rest. The, the accounts where we choose to deploy people, budget, other resources, they have to be seen to do better than the rest because otherwise, you know, we've, we've made the wrong choice or we haven't executed well enough. So success for us is very clear. It's about account growth. It's not about MQLs or SQLs or marketing attribution or any of that stuff, which I'm really pleased we tried to leave behind as as we as we grow Kindle. So all of our efforts are devoted to working with our customer partners, who are the people who run our biggest accounts, their leadership teams and the people within the, the that are that are serving that customer, all towards driving that growth and and profitable growth. We have quite a classical view of of how we do ABM, which is largely based on the momentum ITSMA approach and education that 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 we put most of our people through, and you know, so understanding the account, figuring out what the growth play is and what your value proposition is for each one of those customers, and then driving a plan that aims to to deliver to that. But for us, success comes back to that profitable growth. When we look at the program overall, the first measure I always look to, and like everybody, we've got lots of measures that we look at. But the first one is, are these accounts growing faster than the rest? I do the direct comparison of our 100-odd ABM accounts versus the other accounts that we service. Not all of them grow as we want them to. Not all of them grow faster. But in aggregate, so far, touch wood, and, uh, and for the foreseeable future, we do see a huge difference in performance between ABM accounts and others. If you're looking to learn more about account-based marketing, take a look at The ABM Effect, How to Win, Retain and Grow Valuable Clients for Market-Beating Growth on Amazon and Audible. Can, can you elaborate a bit, Andrew, on um, how you've gained buy-in from you know, some of your uh, regional stakeholders, some of the global 
stakeholders that, that you have because you, you haven't launched an ABM program here as a new thing at Kindrel. It was all already part of the plan as you were spinning out the business and, and looking at priority accounts. Have you, have you needed to go through the same level of organization alignment? What, what's that look like? And in one respect, we were really lucky as we started because one of the one of the stories our CMO has told is in her first conversation with our CEO when she was appointed as CMO for Kindrel. ABM was was one of the first things our CEO spoke about as something that he wanted to see from the marketing organization in Kindrel, which is a fabulous base on which to build. So that gave us that that gave us a real clear and good start to what we were trying to do. That's fine, but then of course you've always got to prove the value all the time. And if we were not able to deliver the growth that we need and the goals that we set ourselves, then you know we we would be in a very different place. At, at the end of our first year of running the running the program, we took quite a significant look back and really tried to understand what what had worked and and what didn't work. We did lots of things really well um, in the first year, but what we hadn't done well enough. Hindsight's a marvelous thing, isn't it? The the what we hadn't done well enough was really focus on ROI and being able to measure that and being able to show that these accounts grow faster than the rest and we didn't necessarily have the right it wasn't even the right KPIs really. It was the right structures and the right capability to 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 measure with all the other things that we've been looking to do. So we had to really spend some time digging into that and, and understanding that but one of my favorite one of my favorite bits of the conversations that we were having at the end of that first year was when we when we finally got to an ROI statement that our finance team bought into and our CFO organization bought into as well because you know we were considering all options for what we do with the APM program after one year of operation and um, the outcome of that review was that effectively we doubled the size of our ABM program for this year because we could show the difference it makes, the ROI it delivers um, uh, it, in a way that was enough to satisfy our finance team. And that is always the ultimate mission. It's a huge testament to the program. And um, I, I know a um, Kindrel non-exec board member who's the CEO of a large business services organization and, and he's actually just introduced ABM to their CMO and their their marketing teams as well. So clearly the impact you're having and it's it's uh, bubbling right right the way up through the organization as well. How do you think about innovation? How are you thinking about what's next? You know, great track record, great to see some of the performance pulling through, big focus on profitable growth. Where are you taking the program? What what's what's exciting and what's next? The past six months or so have really been about trying to figure out how we do grow the program, as as I spoke about, and making sure that second time around, we do a better job. I hesitate there a little bit because actually it's probably third or fourth time around. We do a better job of picking the right accounts and learn the lessons from the ones that didn't work last year, because of course not all of them do work. So we've invested quite a lot of time into that into making sure that we're able to scale. I talk about the ABM we do as one-to-one ABM because in most instances, it isn't really one-to-one ABM in that it's not one person to one account. 
Um, but even though it's one person to a few accounts in most most cases, the approach is still very much about one-to-one. Yeah, you're treating each account as a market in its own right. Exactly. And so figuring out how to do that scaling in a way that frankly doesn't overwhelm and kill all your people with, with a workload they can't cope with. The, then our model as a marketing organization has become more focused on customers this year. So so we are really trying to concentrate not on the not on what a field marketer does with an account team, but on how the rest of the marketing organization lines up and delivers what that field marketer needs to be successful in that. So lots of time working with our solutions marketing team, our uh, what we call our practices team, our central digital social events teams, uh, and really thinking about how we get the entire marketing organization aligned behind what we're, what we're trying to do. But, and that's not an easy thing to do, even in an organization that has ABM as a priority from the outset. Uh, it's a, it, it's it's not an easy concept for many marketers to grasp how, if my job is to run an events, well, what does it mean when what we really care about is not how many people come to our booth, how many details we collect, but about really focusing in on those hundred customers and how we're going to use this event to make a difference with them. Same thing from a digital or a social perspective. So what we're really trying to do is innovate across the rest of the marketing organization in the model that we have to to make a difference for ABM. And then the last bit are one that that is often the fun bit is how we help individual field marketers or in or, or, or teams working on accounts to do new different creative stuff. We don't come into marketing because you know, because we want to run spreadsheets all day, every day. We come into marketing because we want to do creative, interesting, engaging things. And so really trying to help field marketers, but also the people around them to think about how we come up with new, creative, different ways. Um, one of my favorites, which I, which I must just talk about, is something that we did last year with one of our accounts in the UK, actually, which was we laid on a, a crisis simulation exercise which very different kind of marketing activity for us, not one that we'd ever really executed in, in this kind of a way before. But we went to the senior leadership team and one of our customers and we laid on a crisis simulation. You've had a, the, uh, yeah, and it could be anything, you, you've had a, your, your system's been hacked, you know, your, your infrastructure's down, what's gonna happen? And it was a very real, exercise where we hired actors to come in and play the part of journalists interviewing the CEO, asking him to comment on and you know what what it was going to mean for their customers uh, and uh, and really build out a very real, very different kind of of engagement, which resulted in, you can imagine some fantastic conversations afterwards, some very interesting opportunities for us to go pursue with that particular account. And the the principle of of what we try and operate a pr- to a principle of build once and then scale. So how do you take a great idea like that and begin to scale across other accounts and other parts of the world as well? And the so really trying to encourage that innovation, but then not to just 
waste it. It's not wasted, but but to to really be able to make maximum use of it across the organisation. Yeah, I, I love that. Not just because of the creative thinking, but also the value exchange that you're providing to the customer to say, actually, if this did did happen, let's think it through. Um, you're, you're not just pushing down a solution or a a particular service offering. Really fascinating. And Andrew, just to rewind back a couple of steps, you talked about bringing the rest of the marketing organization uh, with you and um, aligning teams to really get behind customers and great that Kindrel has um, such an embedded focus on on clients. If you were rewinding back two years, what advice would you give yourself now on how to effectively mobilize the rest of the marketing organization behind your priority accounts? That's a very good question. Hey. We're here talking about APM, which is great, and obviously it's it, it's what I do. But it isn't the only thing that we do as a marketing organization, and particularly as I look back to our first 12 months of operation. The need to build a brand, for example, um, was probably priority number one for us as, an organi- as a marketing organization in our first year of operation. Picking a name, understanding what that means, communicating what that is to the world, and, and getting that established. So... Partly, there's a there's um, um, one of the things I would say if I were starting again would be you need to be patient and maybe realistic that it isn't always just about ABM. You know, there, there are other things that need to be done, and and sometimes you need a degree of patience. You need to balance that, of course, with the fact that in an I'm sure that this is true for any organisation, but I was going to say an organisation in our position of you know being this kind of slightly odd, very big startup, um, but yet with a really long history, you know, of 30 plus years of, 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 of doing stuff, the need for speed and the need to be able to, to show results. So it would be, I say this, and I'm, I kind of think it, I knew this when I started anyway, I just didn't pay enough attention to it. It's that be clear about the numbers, focus on the ROI, the, we did a great job about building data platforms, about lining up getting some great people lined up into our ABM team, equipping them to do great marketing and setting them free to do lots of great things for our accounts. That, um, and there's always too many things to do when you're in that kind of a that kind of a mode. I would have been clearer sooner about what the real KPIs are, the ones that m- mean the most to the business, and making sure that we're even more proactive with our business stakeholders at communicating the value, making sure we're properly aligned and we stay properly aligned with what we're trying to do as a business. Hey, it's not as though we failed and it's not as though it didn't, you know, we, we haven't managed to evolve and continue to grow the program. We absolutely have. We would have done it maybe a little more easily and with maybe a few less sleepless nights Andrew, you touched on alliances and how your go-to-market has really shifted since the spin-out um, from IBM that you've got now. Uh, more autonomy, great to see Kindle uh, doing really interesting initiatives with the likes of Microsoft, AWS, Google, and and, and so on. Um, how has that changed your priority accounts? Are you jointly going to market on those top accounts? Are you as a global ABM team thinking differently about alliances? Yeah, really good question. And alliances is a hugely important part of our strategy, as I mentioned earlier. I, I think we've still got a lot of work to do 
in, in that space from an ABM and a, and, a, and, a, and a marketing perspective. Having said that, we have made some really, we've had some really great discussions with some of our alliance partners about where we have customers in common, uh, and well, com, uh, from an ABM perspective at, at least, and how we bring teams together and, and uh, leverage those joint capabilities. Um, there are a few instances where we we are very very deliberately creating plans together. Often it's still a little tactical in some ways. So we will, you know, put on particular activities or particular events as part of a larger flight plan for an account with a particular partner. That the, the um, we have what one of the one of the really interesting kind of you know above account level. Um, collaborations with us has been I've spent time and other people in my team have spent time just learning from our partners as well about how they do ABM the lessons they've learned and all of that helps to feed how we operate as well Um, but getting genuinely strategic about how we collaborate as a as marketing teams we've still got plenty of scope to to be able to to figure that out I think our business with Alliance Partners continues to grow fabulously well, and particularly with with the with the hyperscalers. But there's much more potential and much more contribution that I think marketing can make to help help drive that growth for the future. Something that we've frankly got to figure out really how we do that more effectively. Well, I know you're living the the Kindrel way, and given your your own restless nature, um, you, you're already thinking through how how to tackle. The opportunity, I think, that um, alliances present in, in in your priority accounts. What what are you most proud of, Andrew? You've achieved an incredible amount over the last couple of years, and I know, yeah, you know, across the organisation, delivered significant value. What, as you reflect back, standing here today, what, what are you most proud of? For me, it's always about the people, and I look at our field marketers and the work that they're doing with customers. I look at the feedback that our customer partners provide about the marketing person that's working with them and the the capability that we've built the skills that we've grown and how that's been put to use is e- easily the thing that I'm most proud of I had a I've lost count now of the number of customer partners who've come to me uh, and and you know with fabulous feedback about what the the marketing person they're working with has done for them I had one just yesterday with one of the customer partners on one of our biggest accounts in the world actually talking about of all the functions he works with in Kindrel, by far the most proactive member of that team is is the field marketer he works with who's always bringing new thinking new ideas new suggestions to help drive progress with with that customer so uh, yeah for me it's all about how we've grown the capability and the people Fantastic, and and clearly the culture that you've built across the team as as well, given that some of Kindrel's core values, you can really see that shining through. Yeah, um, we very intentionally set out to build community. We have relatively small teams in each of our countries, and it's easy to feel, and particularly when you're a field marketer and you're spending all your day with working with an account team and not necessarily with other marketing people or other people in the same situation. So building out that sense of community across our ABM team and our field marketers has been a really important way to help to build that skills and build 
resiliency in your people and you know figuring out how you share best practices and share those great ideas and all of that kind of stuff so um yeah that's hugely important for us as well fantastic well look lots to look forward to andrew and uh, with the thriving community that i know you're enhancing all the time across kindrel's business uh looking forward to seeing how you shape your program and continue to to scale across more accounts and drive profitable growth in in the years to come thank you very much for the conversation and the support and help really appreciate it thanks so much andrew this podcast is brought to you by momentum itsma a leading b2b growth consultancy and pioneers of account-based marketing learn more at momentumitsma.com